you know, we project on animals and uh, so one person might dislike birds, another alligators, another bat, you know, and all of those shadow animals are the ones that can help them see what it is kind of um, that they might want to deal with within themselves. And we do it collectively too, you know, um, we do it, it, you know, we have many myths and legends about, um, you know, the monster, the beast that lives in the cave or the, <laughs> under the bridge or whatever it is. Those are collective shadow animals. It's kind of like our group dream huh, of what scares yeah. us, of what, what we fear, what we don't want to see about ourselves. Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather, and in this episode, Don Bauman Brunke returns to Rebel Spirit Radio to discuss her new book, Shadow Animals, How Animals We Fear Can Help Us Heal, Transform, and Awaken. In addition to talking about the importance of engaging in shadow work, Don and I discuss animals in tarot, monsters of the deep, cats, bats, and rats, as well as the bugs that bug us. Also, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. Your support is truly appreciated. Don Bauman Brunke is an author, animal communicator, and dream enthusiast who lives in Alaska. She has led workshops in animal communication and offered animal consultations for over 20 years. She also designed the Animal Wisdom Tarot deck and offers tarot readings. Her many books include Animal Voices, Animal Voices, Animal Guides, Shape-Shifting with Our Animal Companions, Animal Teachings, The Key to Spirit Animals, Dreaming with Polar Bears, Awakening the Ancient Power of Snake, and her most recent publication, Shadow Animals, How Animals We Fear Can Help Us Heal, Transform, and Awaken. Don, welcome back to Rebel Spirit Radio. Hey, Nick. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Nice seeing you again. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful to see you too. Uh, you're my second return guest. Oh. Um, so I, I'm really, really happy to be able to chat with you again, um, uh, especially about this new book. I know the last time that we spoke, you said that you were working on it. Uh, so I was really happy to see it uh, coming out. Uh, and, you know, like all of the other books of yours that I read, um, I thought it was a really fun read mm. um, and it's uh, engaging and enlightening. Um, so congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I have to, course. you know, I have to entertain myself a little while I'm writing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it always speaks to me. I know that when we spoke previously, you've got the background in religious studies as well. Mm -hmm. So I always really yeah. appreciate how you're digging into the religious and mythological traditions uh, in yeah. your writing. So um, yeah, yeah, it, it's my language. <laughs> it's my language too. Um, so I thought the first question, and I imagine that there are two parts to the answer to this, uh -huh. um, but what is a shadow animal? Okay. Should we start with a shadow? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why I, I figured there were two parts. Yeah, the start at the beginning. You know, I yeah. use the the shadow as the you know it's a psychological term. Uh, Jung, Carl Jung wrote a lot about the shadow, and the shadow is basically all those parts of ourselves that we prefer not to identify with. 
you know, so shame, arrogance, greed, weakness. We don't like to see those ego deflating qualities. So we hide them away in the basement of our being, huh? And so basically the shadow holds everything that we judge or we disown or we hide. Yeah. And I think it is just good to point out that we create our shadow very early in life. You know, as little kids, we kind of learn from our parents and our teachers that they want to see the smart, obedient, cheerful self. Huh? So all those other aspects of selves, you know, maybe the rebellious self, the uh, the naughty self, you know, the lazy self get pushed down into the psyche. And there's an, an image I use in the book. Um, it comes from the poet Robert Bly, who wrote a beautiful little book. It's called The Little Book of the Human Shadow. He calls the shadow or the way we hold it, the long bag we drag behind us, you know. Mm. So that's our shadow. And it keeps growing. You know, that bag keeps growing as we go through high school, college, spout with spouse, depending on which group we're in because there's both an individual shadow and a collective shadow. Mm. So, um, you know, how does the shadow come out? Let's just talk about that real briefly too, before we talk about shadow animals, is that um, all, all of those selves are part of us, huh? and they wanna be acknowledged, but they're mm. stuffed down in there and they begin to sneak out. And one of the ways they sneak out is through projection. Mm. Um, you know, we, the things that we kind of don't like and hold it, well, let me say it this way. Everything that we get triggered by or don't like in the outer world is a reflection of our shadow, right? right, it's right, stuff right, right. We don't want to see about ourselves. So it's easier to project out there, mm -hmm. you know, and Jung did say that the, the real danger, um, it's not from meeting our shadow, but it's from refusing to meet our shadow. Right. right. So there's resistance to looking at our shadow because it's what we don't want to see about ourselves. Yeah. 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 What is the saying? It's that we always see in others, the things we don't want to see in ourselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. If we all would recognize that. It's, yeah. 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 It's, sure. And it's great to do. It's great to see that in the world. I mean, I think it's actually projections helpful because it helps mm. us see, you know, mm. that which we're dealing with or yeah. So shadow animals are, are a unique type of animal teacher um, that really help us, um, uh, see those aspects that we've projected onto animals huh mm. and again it's important to understand like just like we create our own shadow out there we create our own shadow animals huh mm. so um you know we project on animals and uh, so one person might dislike birds another alligators another bat you know and all of those shadow animals are the ones that can help them see what it is kind of um that they might want to deal with within themselves and we do it collectively too you know mm. Um, we do it, it, you know, we have many myths and legends about, um, you know, the monster, the beast that lives in the cave or the, mm. <laughs> under right. the bridge or whatever it is. <laughs> Those are collective shadow animals. It's kind of like our group dream, huh? Of what yeah. scares us, of what, what we fear, what we don't want to see about ourselves. Yeah. Right. And we can encounter the shadow animal and it, not just in dreams, but also in our waking life as well. Definitely, you know, and I mean, all you have to do is you say, oh, well, what's my shadow animal? Well, what animal are you uncomfortable around? What right, animals right. don't you like? Which ones give you the willies? You know, right, right. that's a really good clue as to what your shadow animal is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and mine had always been snake. Uh, we talked about this the last time, mm -hmm. uh, but I have a much better appreciation of snake now. Um, and I miss not seeing the snake, 
uh, when I go out hiking. And when I see one, I have to take pictures of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, that's a great way to honor snake, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I learn things from snake. It's like, oh, give people space, give them room and consideration because it's when you get too close, that's when snake becomes uncomfortable and can become yeah. threatening. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, I still don't know that I want a pet snake or anything, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I see it as being really important. And I think that this working with the shadow is absolutely crucial. And I, and I think that this is in some way how you frame the book, mm-hmm. um, because you, you start by saying um, that the book's not really about shadow animals, uh, but right. it's about humans. <laughs> right? It is, um, yeah. And how we suppress and ignore and avoid our shadow. Those are your words. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the shadow animals can help us find it. Uh, and I, I want to kind of go back to this theme a couple of times as we talk, because mm-hmm. my opinion is this sort of shadow work is probably the most important thing that any of us can do right now. I agree. And Jung would agree with you too. You know, he yeah. just felt like our survival depends on it. And if yeah. we're not willing to look at, at, you know, those shadowy aspects of ourselves, we're going to continue to project and be triggered and thus wars are born, huh? Right. You know? right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's difficult work. It's difficult work. It's hard work. And uh, I, I like that you provide some really interesting exercises in the book. <laughs> Um, and these are exercises that are different than other shadow work that I've seen. Mm. Um, so I, I really appreciated uh, the exercises that you gave. Uh, in oh, the book. well, that's good. And, you know, I just want to interject. Yes, I agree with you. Shadow work can be really difficult and it can be hard and it challenges us. But I think it can also um, we can also learn to dance lightly with it. huh? Yeah. Yeah. And we can learn to kind of a little bit have fun with it and have fun with mm-hmm. ourselves, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's both. Yeah. <laughs> it's both dark yeah. And light. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, there's, there's always treasure there, you yeah. know, there's always yeah. a treasure there and uh, working with it is a way of self-discovery, you know, that we become Definitely. more whole, we become happier. And like you said, lighter lighter yeah 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 because you're you're letting go of all those things that you're so heavily judging or Mm -hmm. not only in others but in yourself huh so you kind of you're clearing the way you're tidying you're uh Mm -hmm. yeah lightening up yeah yeah Yeah, and it's that and i think you if i remember right you even bring this up in the book um uh, there's that statement about the two wolves that live within us and you know which wolf do you feed yeah and i think sometimes and i recently discovered this about myself is that i'm feeding something that i don't want to be feeding Mm. um and it's like oh i'm getting nourishment off of this specific reaction from people Mm. and i don't Mm. want that anymore Mm. um and so it, it was hard work to get there, but it, I think at the end of the day is going to make my life way more 
well, just, just better. <laughs> it's just better uh, yeah. in so many yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can we just talk about that story once? Cause I did yeah, find yeah. it a really interesting story. It's, it's, I always learned it as a native American story about a grandfather right. talking to his grandson saying, you know, there's a dark wolf and a light wolf mm -hmm. and the dark wolf is, you know, kind of the arrogant, greedy one, the one that wants, the one that is sneaky and the good wolf is the one that's compassionate and good, you know, mm -hmm. and they're always waging war with an individual and the, grand, the grandson said, which one's going to win? The grandfather says the one we feed. Mm -hmm. And so when I was writing, the, and I had always liked that story because I was like, yeah, you feed the good, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when I'm working on my, my chapter about dog, uh, in which wolf figures prominently, um, I thought, there's something not right with this story. Mm -hmm. Because by not feeding the dark wolf, um, we're starving it. And th that sounds like how we make shadow in the beginning. Right, right, right. right. So I researched the story. It was difficult to do because um, just there was a lot of stories about the story. And I did find two instances it was published both by evangelical preachers in the 1970s. Mm. And so I think Billy Graham might have been one. I can't remember the other. And they told it as terms of two dogs. Huh? Mm. And one's black, one's white, and the white one always wins. And, you know, it's kind of this moralistic prompt to do good. And then I found what some people claim is the original story. And the grandfather doesn't tell the son, the grandson um, to, you know, whichever one you feed, he says, you learn to feed them both right. Right. And I right. thought, wow, that's, yeah. yes, that's exactly it. So we mm -hmm. learn to um, feed our shadow in ways that is nourishing to shadow because it's nourishing to us. And we bring right. it up in a safe, comfortable way where we right. integrate. Um, the dark wolf and the and the and the light wolf huh the good yeah. and the bad and we yeah. and we um and then that's the way I think that we expand ourselves huh mm -hmm. it's not by pushing one off it's by listening to what it needs and finding yeah. out more about it yeah 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 and in my experience with what I was uh just saying is I think I was only feeding that sort of negative wolf mm, um, mm -hmm. and not aware that that's what I was doing. So it's like mm -hmm. the good wolf was sort of the one that was starving. You know? yeah. um, uh, but, I, but I totally agree. And, and I think that's the key with the shadow. Um, you know, I mean, isn't it that Jung says, you know, we need to embrace the shadow. Yeah. You know, there may be some collective shadows that no, we can't necessarily embrace. Um, but I think there are still aspects of it that we have to embrace. Or at least understand, acknowledge, yeah. understand, learn. And yeah, you're right. You might not embrace that whole shadow that, you know, is arrogant, violent, whatever, but yeah, you yeah. pull those pieces, um, you listen to it. That's my main thing. Right. You know, you listen to it, you acknowledge it, you find out what parts of this can be um, integrated. You know, I was just talking with a woman in the UK here and we were talking about how, um, actually with Snake, how sometimes we need teachings, uh, we need to be a little bit uh, of a bully or a little mm -hmm. bit aggressive, you know, for being attacked or things. So some of those shadow animal selves have skills that are really very helpful mm -hmm. and we don't want to let them go crazy. But on the other hand, sometimes they're useful, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we have to shake our tail and warn people. If you keep it at, I'm going to bite, <laughs> you know, and it's a respectful thing to shake the tail of the snake, right. isn't it? It's a warning, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not just yeah. a bite. It's a warning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, and it's, it was interesting because you go through 
a lot of different shadow animals and i don't want to go through all of them but i do want to go through some of them sure um uh, and, and I kind of want to repeat this idea that they can appear to us in waking life as messengers. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to me that there's a synchronous aspect to them sometimes. Um, to, and so it pays, <clears throat> pays off to be very mindful of the animals that we encounter uh, in our daily lives to see what kind of messages they may have for us. I agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 yeah I was, well, Oh, go ahead. No, 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 you, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, sometimes we're totally unaware that the animal teacher is a shadow animal. Yeah, and I'll just, yeah. I could tell my brief little story about yeah, a cat. Yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. nine years old, I went with my, it was my first experience of a shadow animal that I can recall. Uh, I went with my sister and my mom to visit one of my mom's friends, lived a couple hours away. So we were going to spend the night and a little adventure and we had a great time. This woman had cats. She had three cats. And I've always been a dog person. Don't, yeah. don't dislike cats, but they're just, you know, they're not dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we spend the night and in the morning, I go downstairs to get a glass of milk and they're standing or sitting in front of the refrigerator is the eldest cat. It's a beautiful gray cat, brilliant green emerald eyes looking at me in a very specific way. And I felt it, huh? I felt that cat looking inside of me and seeing something about me. I didn't know it scared me. I turned and I ran, I ran up the stairs. The cat runs after me. The cat never touched me. I jumped on my mom's bed. I was saying, <laughs> we all kind of laughed. John's afraid of cats, right? <laughs> and again, it, I think that was my one of my first experiences with a shadow animal. I didn't have the wherewithal at age nine to call it that. But what was interesting is a very short period of time after that, I developed an allergy against cats. Hmm. I got a really, you know, runny nose, their eyes red. I used to get a rash on my body. And so I had to wash my face and hands. And I just learned that it was easier not to deal with cats. Hmm. And so that's how I lived my life up until college when I had a dream about a cat. There was a cat, a mysterious cat on the top of a refrigerator looking down at me. And it just looked at me. That's all the dream was. And at this time, I was very interested in dreams and the dream world and how we interact with our dreams. And I had a series of dreams about this cat. It was always the same cat at work. Cute little hat. <laughs> a little Moroccan fez huh? with a feather on it. <laughs> and so I always knew it was the, the, the cat, my cat. And it was always just look at me. And there was that was that was the dream. Sometimes it seemed to last a long while. And it got me to thinking about that earlier cat from nine years old. What what did that cat see in me? What did it have to tell with me? Why did my body react in such a way that I developed an allergy towards cats? And so I began to work with this dream cat. And that's really how I evolved kind mm -hmm. of, or, or I evolved with my shadow animal cat, where it became more of a guide, more of a mentor, um, mm -hmm. more of a protector. Huh? Yeah. And I think that's just, it's a great story because it speaks to how we can engage with shadow animals and work with them. And there is, I love that the, the, the cat, the dream cat at one point told me, you know, we teach respect by being respectful. Mm. And I did feel like that cat was being very respectful for me by letting me open at my own time, in my own place. It wasn't pushing anything at me, you know, it was just um, allowing that to open. And, and that's the beauty, I think, of working well with animals in general, animal teachers yeah. in general. But shadow animals um, can be very, 
they can be non-scary, huh? They right. can be just. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, have, have you ever had a cat as a pet? Um, when I, when I was younger, much younger, we had a cat. Yeah. Okay. Eccles the cat. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. See, see I, I'm just the converse. I, I'm a cat person. Oh, you're okay. so I, yeah. I always have two cats. It's not that I don't like dogs. <laughs> oh, I understand. Yeah. They're just not your thing. Right. You know? Yeah. I would like to have a dog at some point as a pet, I think, but it has to be the right dog. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And since we're talking about cats, I know we discussed this a little bit uh, before I began recording, but in the tarot deck that you created, the spirit animal tarot, you have the high priestess as a cat. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that uh, there were a couple of decks that I'm familiar with, uh, the El Goliath Tarot and the Wild Unknown. Those are both animal decks. Um, and their high priestess is also a, a cat or mm -hmm. Wild Unknown, it's a tiger. Mm -hmm. What is it that do you think that makes the cat such a good symbol for the high priestess? Yeah, yeah. So I subtitle, I had kind of little subtitles for all of my, uh, my cards, and I called it the knower of secrets. Mm. And I think that is what cat, what cat, you know, um, can represent is this mysterious, um, a, a kind of unconscious world, or uh, let me say it this way, um, I think cat helps us as a spirit animal, move into that unconscious realm into that you know that lower or that uh, I don't want to say lower but uh, that realm of the psyche mm. where we're in dream world where we have um you know inspiration from symbols and signs we're much more intuitive I think right. when yeah. we go in that I think that's what cats a lot of times can help us with is our intuition and kind of fine-tuning our perceptions you know to see mm. in the dark to see through yeah. the shadow so there's yeah. all that aspect there too yeah 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 and there seems to be a connection with and this goes back, I think, all the way to the Neolithic uh, with the divine feminine. And, you know, in like the traditional Rider Waite Smith deck, mm -hmm. you know, the high priestess is sitting in front of the temple, but there's a right. veil in front of the temple. Um, and I always kind of connect that with Sophia. So one of my cats, her name is Sophia. <laughs> um, that's a good name. Good yeah, 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 yeah. Way better um, than pickles, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i've been very proud of my cat names um, yeah right now i've got sophia and schrodinger um, oh. yeah we well, have to name a cat go. schrodinger you know yeah. <laughs> um, there's so much you know and one of the things i've learned from being around cats is the value of patience and mm -hmm. observation mm -hmm. yeah you know? like the dream cat that came to me just yeah. observing and very patient and yeah. um you know, I think, and I'm sure if this is a projection or if this is true about cats, because I don't live with cats, but my experience working with cats doing animal consults and talks and stuff is that sometimes if you don't get it, they get a little irritated with you. Oh, yeah. Just gonna go away and like, <laughs> you figure it out, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. there's that little, but, but overall patience and then up, up to a point, huh? Because yeah, 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 yeah. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, sometimes the cats are like, what are you doing? I am so over this. Yeah. Uh, but, but I also find them to be very much creatures of habit. They yeah. have their set schedules. Um, you know, sometimes they deviate when they feel like, no, I think I want to be fed now. Um, but often <laughs> they have, they are very 
set in their ways. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's quite interesting. And so I will often ask myself, you know, how am I set in my ways? I was just going to say, it's like humans, you know, we have our own, we have yeah. our own rituals yeah. that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that um, I can understand some people, you know, it's like, you've got your dog and the cat people. Um, and yet I think that one of the dominant shadow creatures that you discuss is spiders. Um, I know so many people who are horrified, terrified of spiders. Yeah. Um, it's funny, so, isn't it? Because they're so small. <laughs> yeah. And well, you, you even tell a story that I think you were in a hospital or something and you heard this woman just like screaming bloody murder and it was a spider. It was a spider. She yeah. And I, I, I was disgusted with her because she screamed and a man from a coffee shop came and he stomped on the spider. And, you know, I've always been a spider rescuer. I'll take him and, yeah. you know, put him on a plant or something outside. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mantra has always been spiders are our friends. You know, yeah. <laughs> they can be. Yeah. 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 Well, sure. yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they do eat, you know, a lot of other bugs, you know, other household pests. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to shout out to my best friend. She told me this over the summer. They had a spider that set up shop in their bathroom and she got really concerned. She's in Colorado. She got really concerned at winter because there aren't as many bugs. Um, and she thought the spider was going to start. So she mm -hmm. actually went to a pet uh, a pet store and i think she got like some crickets oh, wow. and she was actually feeding the spider uh -huh. <laughs> because uh -huh. she didn't want the spider you right. know i i guess yeah. you know yeah 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 i've always yeah. had a really interesting relationship well not always but i would say the last 20 years since i've been writing books um every time i finish a book my very first one i was sitting at the kitchen table i had just mailed it off to the publisher i was just feeling like oh you know you're just so happy I was like, it's off yeah. there right and a spider came down from the ceiling right in front of me. I mean, like this close, you know, it was amazing. And every single book I've written since then, I've always had a spider encounter. And it's not right. when I'm thinking about it, like thinking right. of a right. spider. And what's yeah. interesting about that is that when I was doing research, because like you say, I like the myths and the legends and what did our ancestors think about spiders and a very old kind of legend about spiders, spiders, the keeper of words. Hmm. And I know there are some myths about spider creating the primordial alphabet on its web and, and, and sharing, uh, teaching humans, huh? How to record their thoughts and share their thoughts. And wow. yeah. So yeah. Charlotte's web, you have the messages there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I know that there's these ideas of spiders being connected with creation and mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that, kind of came to my mind is the spinning the web of fate you know yeah. um, i think the, the 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 i forget what the moira is that what they are in the greek um and uh, you also connect them with the um uh, spinning illusion as well yeah yeah yeah. So there's so many different interesting stories about spider, but yeah, I think spider is, you know, oftentimes referred to as the master weaver, you know, yeah. the one who creates these designs, these cosmic designs.
But I remember there's a couple myths, and I think they're in the book, about um, spider uh, weaving a web over a cave. I, it was one of the, was it Robert the Bruce? What, somebody was hiding. Huh? Yeah, um, yeah. And the spider oh, created yeah. this web so it wasn't seen. So yeah. there's something also about um, um, a spider helping us to see what's not seen or to not be seen. So if spiders your yeah. your shadow animal in that regard, that would be a really interesting one to work with. Huh? Yeah, and I had a note in the book. I'm glad you just brought that up because it reminded me of uh, a scene in another book. And I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, the Spell of the Sensuous by David Abrams. Oh, I know that. I actually have it on my um, stack of okay. <laughs> books yeah. to read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a scene I actually will sometimes have students read this section from the book where he he's in South Asia somewhere. I, I want to say he was in Thailand, but I may be incorrect on that. Uh, but he's out on this bicycle ride and he ends up kind of climbing up on this cliff and he goes into this cave uh, and he get, gets into the cave because there's a sudden rainstorm. And if I remember correctly, he ends up spending the night in the cave. And when he wakes up in the morning, he sees, you know, as the sun's kind of coming up, that a spider has created this sort of beautiful web um, at the, the entrance to the cave. And he kind of uses this to sort of reflect on, I guess, this idea of subjectivity that, you know, he's having this experience uh, and kind of waking up, but the spider is also having its experience. Yeah. And it's this, each one has their own subjectivity, but then there's this shared experience. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, it's quite a beautiful thing. And when you were yeah. writing in the book about that, um, it, I wanted to ask you if you'd read that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you would really enjoy it. I will. I'll yeah. put it to the top. Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Oh, there sad. you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I wanted to share this with you too, that I had an experience with spider. I, I like spiders, but there was one time many years ago in Denver where I was going through a very difficult phase in my life. And there was like unrequited love and things like that. It was, it was a dark, dark period. And this person that I was kind of obsessed with, um, I just knew that they were going to be someplace. Mm. I just knew it. I felt mm -hmm. it in my bones. I'm like, and I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. And as I was getting ready, there was this really large black widow spider just crawled up the bathroom wall and I this is when I was an undergraduate and I knew connections with spider and the divine feminine but also kind of in that shadow aspect and I even knew right then and there when I saw that spider that no good would come of that evening and no good came of that evening yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so I saw that I saw and I that was the only time I think I ever saw a black widow in Denver Wow. Uh, and I, yeah, I never saw one after that. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. huh? Yeah. 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 Uh, so you just, you know, our shadow animals as synchronicity. Um, yeah. And, and offering us messages and signs, yeah. you know, and if yeah. we choose to listen or not, that's up to us. That's on right. us. Right. You right. know, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and you also said that arachnophobia is a learned phobia. So we learn to be afraid of spiders. 
I, well, you know, I'm speaking generally. I think most phobias are learned phobias. So you either have an experience very early in life where a spider bites you or you're frightened by a spider. Maybe your mother, father doesn't like spiders. You know, in my family, it's snakes. My dad, he Mm. actually didn't come to my house for two years because we had Mm. snakes. We lived with two snakes. He, and, and his sister, and I think his mother, his mother's passed, so I don't know, but whenever I would ask either one of these, just tell me a little bit, why don't you like snakes? You know, can't talk about it. Nope, nope. Just, <laughs> they just couldn't, they can't go there. You know, it's that strong. So anyway, where does that come from? Um, does it come from past lives? Maybe even it comes from our childhood. You know, I mean, spiders don't usually, with exception of Charlotte's Web, don't get a great rap in, you know, right. in our culture, nor do snakes. So, you know, there's that you factor, all those legs, that hairy, you know, if you're going to stay at that superficial level, then that's where you're going to be with spider. So again, it's a choice. Are we going to go, are we going to allow ourselves to deepen a little bit and look at what makes us feel uncomfortable? Yeah. When it's interesting, you know, we're recording this on Halloween Yeah. (laughs) and my neighborhood, you know, I walk in the evenings and they've gone a little crazy this year with the Halloween decorations, (laughs) but you see a lot of spiders. A lot of spiders. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of of spiders. Black cats. cats, Yep. 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 Cat Schrodinger is a black cat. Yeah. Um, And, but then there's also this idea, you know, you have to protect the black cat on Halloween. Yeah. um, Yeah. Because people (laughs) people People, right well you know and i think it is true as a generalization that a lot of shadow animals are uh uh they're creatures of the night huh yeah you know bats for example um spiders not so much but spiders there's something uh you know spiders are kind of out in the corners and they're Mm -hmm. you know so there's there's always something kind of liminal about that animal yeah yeah? Yeah. that in general um that speaks to our shadow our shadows Yeah. yeah Yeah. Yeah. I won't, I won't kill a spider. Um, I've had, I've moved them outside, um, or at least tried to move them outside if I need to, but yeah, I see them as being beneficial. They're important to the ecology, Yeah, you know, and I think you mentioned that at some point, um, that, you know, they keep things kind of going as they should be. Yeah. Well, all animals do that, right? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, except for they, human question. Yeah, mark. yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, we're human, we're animals too. Um, uh, now you mentioned bat. That's actually one that I, I like bats. I got uh, when I was a real little kid, I had a bat swoop down that scared me a little bit, but I'm not afraid of bats. Um, what do we learn from bats? How, how, how are bats? Well, in terms of ecology, bats do a lot, you know, do you yeah. like tequila? Then you got to thank a bat, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, the, you know, there's two types of bats. There's the macro bats, which are kind of the flying foxes, they call them in Australia, the fruit eating bats. And those mm-hmm. are the ones that are responsible for pollinating a lot of flowers, a lot of, right. a lot of food. And then the micro bats. And I think when people are afraid of bats, it's usually the micro bats because the, mm. those are the ones kind of with the big ears, right. the little eyes, you know, the elaborate nose leaves they're called, not little mm. nostrils. And, you know, a vampire bat is a, a micro bat. Yeah. And uh, um, they use echolocation huh, mm-hmm. to, to discern where they are. So there is something shadowy about that and something that we, um, you know, we, we might be uncomfortable with. 
But we go back again, if you're working with bat as a shadow animal, um, you know, as you talked about, what is it about bat that really bothers me? You know, is it that they sleep upside down and their little, you know, the way they put their things on it, you know? Oh, maybe that's telling you need to, it would be helpful to see things from another perspective, huh? Or to, you know, so you you start playing with it as what specifically um, about bat that bothers you. And, um, and then kind of, you know, ask yourself those interesting questions. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of tarot, I think that bat would be a really good hanged man. Well, that's who I have for my hangman. <laughs> you? I you? call that okay. the master of suspension. Yeah. Okay. And there's yeah. that Odin-like, you know, uh, yeah. aspect of, of the hangman and yeah. bat, I think. And I think bat, that card and bat speak to going within okay. and yeah. the wisdom of taking. Mm. Sometimes we do need to cloak ourselves, huh? And really take a deep rest and go within and allow things to, um, you know, there's an aspect of the, of the of hangman, which is, um, endings, huh? But we need these endings in order to kind of open up to new beginnings. Yeah. So, and then there's that about bat too. That's so much, uh, uh, you know, in myth and legend about transformation mm. and about yeah. movements from one state of being to another, like snake. Mm. Snake yeah. is also. Uh, yeah. How how do bats transform? I mean, I know that there's this idea of uh, like vampires transforming into bats, and I loved how you said that that's actually a fairly relatively new um yeah part of vampire legend yeah. that they always yeah. transformed into other animals but other animals yeah. yeah 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 it was you know it was um bram stoker's dracula that kind of uh brought brought that whole bat thing in but yeah. um, well i think just traditionally bats have often been about rebirth and you think mm-hmm. about it as simple as you know they're in uh they go into caves, huh? They go at the end of night and kind of come out in the evening. So it's, it's this sense of inverted rebirth into the great mystery, right? We don't have to call it the dark or scary. We could call it the great mystery or, Mm. you know, what that aspect of our shadow self that, that can awaken with that. Mm. Yeah. So in that sense, transformation. Yeah. But I think the Mayans really associated uh, bats with, um, or South American general, you know, with rebirth, with regeneration, okay. with hmm. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you wrote in the book because I wanted to ask you um, as I was reading that chapter, uh, but then you answered the question, but you've been to Carlsbad in yeah. uh, Southern yeah. New Mexico, yeah. uh, where at sunset you get just thousands upon thousands of bats coming yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and that seems to me that it's having experienced that myself, there's something almost numinous about that with all of those bats coming out. Yeah. 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 A lot of um, places. Like, I mean, there's a number yeah. of caves like that. And, okay. and uh, yeah. I think there's a bridge in Texas somewhere where all the bats come out at night and it's a oh, big wow. to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like them because they, they're way better than pesticides. Yeah. Yeah, a little, uh, one little brown bat, we have little brown bats in Alaska, can eat 1,200 mosquitoes an hour. hour. Wow. Yeah. A lot of mosquitoes. Yeah. And yeah. so you think if you have, you know, how many bats, maybe you have hundreds, thousands of bats in those larger caves mm-hmm. or under the, under the bridge and they go out and they eat tons of insects, literal yeah. tons mm-hmm. of insects. Yeah. Interesting. Now, I don't know if this was just my imagination. It probably was just my imagination. Um, but you know, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I found it really interesting 
that I, I didn't really have much of an appetite. I felt nauseous. But at, what I recognized is that what I was craving was fruit. Hmm. And I had this moment where I'm like, oh, fruit bat, fruit bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if there was a yeah. connection there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But you Maybe. know, it, it just made me remember <laughs> that I did write most of this book during the pandemic. Right. And it just felt to me like such a great time to go within and, yeah, and really yeah. work on what is shadow, you know, and, you yes. know, you might, what's, what's the world shadow animal? It's a little yeah. virus, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we can talk about uh, that time period. I think that's really important. Uh, but I want to go through a couple others first. Um, well, let me ask you this. The past week, maybe two weeks, there is a photograph, a photo that's gone sort of viral of a close-up. I, I was curious if you've seen it. It's a uh, an ant's face under a microscope. Mm. I haven't seen that one, but I have okay. seen when I did my insect chapter, I looked at a lot okay. of um, uh, images like that of, of okay. insects up close to look at their faces. And mm. I don't, I'm curious your experience, but mine is always like, wow, what intelligence is there? Yeah. Well, what's, yeah. And I, I always find them fascinating, but this ant photograph is, it, it really has gone viral because it's so monstrous looking. Oh. And the way that, and this is one of the reasons why people are sharing it. And this has gone, you know, uh, gotten people's attention, but it, it's not quite right because it looks like it's got these like red demonic eyes, but that's really where the antennas are going in. It's not the uh -huh. eyes at all. Uh -huh. And it's got these, there are these little filaments that are like little hairs, but they look like teeth. Uh-huh. Uh, it really does look like the stuff of nightmares yeah. uh, when you see this. Um, and so I was curious if you'd seen it because as soon as I saw them, you know, and the response that people are having to this, it's like, yeah, there's some kind of shadow well, something going on here. But, you know, I think it's, it speaks to the larger thing about bugs in general. And I mean, why do we have ever since the what forties or so, you know, aliens, they always have the big bug heads with the big yeah. bug eyes and the antennas. And, you know, we have a lot of associations, I think, yeah. of um, what is alien to us um, mm -hmm. uh, connected to bugs. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah, that was the only chapter where there was something that gave me the willies. Um, and it was you had the photo of a foot infested a foot, with yeah. bigger fleas. Yeah, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I sat with that photo a while, like, should I share this or not? And I thought, it's a book about the shadow. I think yeah. I should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was that was the most disturbing thing for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that there's this connection with this otherness with the insects. But the yeah. other place that I see that is with things that have tentacles. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I, because I, I wanted to ask you, I don't know uh, how you feel about scary movies and whatnot, um, but there was a anthology series that was just released on Netflix um, uh, by um, Guillermo, Guillermo de Tero. Yeah, Guillermo de Tero, yeah. the uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah, yeah. 
And have you seen any of them? I've seen, we've watched the first two. Yeah. Okay. So the second one was rats. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's one of the shadow animals. <laughs> so I'm glad you saw it because I wanted to ask you about that. But the first one, and this is also in one of the other, I think in the fourth episode, there are things with tentacles, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, yeah, this is like the shadow. And, you know, I love like octopuses or octopi. Mm -hmm. I don't know what mm -hmm. the, the Either one. would be. That's correct. Yeah. Um, but there is something so alien about them. So yeah. absolutely different. Well, and you think about it just symbolically, you know, they're in the deep ocean. So what is that? Right. The deep subconscious, the unconscious, right. you know, and right. I, I love my chapter on the Kraken and, yeah. you know, all of those monsters of the deep that, that used to, that sailors and, you know, used to project on as these things that would come up and grab a ship and mm. pull it down. Right. right you right, know, right. so I think and that's that's a really interesting imagery, isn't there? Symbol of what we fear of our subconscious, and mm -hmm. and you know, and yeah, there's something about tentacles, you know, especially if there's eight of them. That's you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think about the um, that second episode with the rats? You know, it, I'm not a, a shock type person. Movie. Right, right. I mean, I actually do like. Um, scary movies in general and ever since I was a little kid I don't like slasher things or, right, or yeah. torture that's not my deal but I do like um, uh, scary movies that basically introduce you to a fear and help you see that and move through that mm -hmm. so I've, I've watched so many and I think that's why yeah. <laughs> I'm good to write about the shadow right, right, right. because it, it 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 is about you know what scares you looking at right. what scares you i think i think movies like that serve a purpose you yeah. know stephen king serves a purpose and yeah. helping us to look at what scares us and 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 move through that yeah, yeah. well I, I saw connections with things that you were writing um in the sense of rats that you wrote that sometimes in some cultures they were associated with prosperity and wealth yeah, especially in cultures. Yeah. And that's kind of what was going on in this is you've got someone yeah. who is robbing graves, but yeah. that all the rats are kind of beating him to it. They're, they're, they're uh, keeping it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And and it's you know, there's that idea of the pack rat that you mentioned and this idea right. of hoarding. Right. Um, but there's also the rat, and your exercise is called the rat's treasure. Yeah. And I thought, and this character, he ends up, you know, where the rats have kind of gotten their treasure they got off. their treasure in that story they sure did yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and there's also something about rat you know of repurposing rat knows how to mm -hmm. make use of what's there mm -hmm. and accommodate it you know it becomes a nest or it becomes food or it becomes this or that and so yeah yeah so there's a lot to learn about rat in that way as well yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i liked how you pointed out that they're way cleaner than what we give them credit for yeah yeah yeah, people yeah. who live with rats, I talked to a few of them who have rats as, as pets, companions, and they're like, oh, rats are so smart, and they're so yeah. clean, and and they're, they're, I met a few, and they did seem very clean, so very mm. tidy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I knew someone when I was a kid that had a rat as a pet, um, but I don't know what ever <laughs> happened to the rat. I know we're going to start running out of time here in a little bit, but um, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, one of the other shadow animals is goats. I knew you were going to ask about goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is goat such a shadow uh, figure for us? 
Well, I think it's, you know, goats themselves offer humans so much and always have, right? So yeah. it's not the goat, uh, it's not that aspect of goat, but we do have two things um, in our human history about goats. The one is the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, in very ancient times kind of, and I'm, I'm really simplifying this, but, a, a, you know, a group of people or a, a town would put all of their sins um, they give it to kind of the priest and he symbolically loaded onto the goat and then sometimes put, you know, red ribbons on a red cloth around its uh, horns or a silver necklace on and they'd be, you know, taken off into the wilderness. So, hmm. wow, isn't that an interesting way to deal with your shadow? Well, put right. it on goat huh? and then send it away. So that's kind of the origin of that word scapegoat. There's actually mm-hmm. more to it with, mm-hmm. um, with different religious figures, but that's one aspect, I think, of why goat, um, uh, of what of what goat serves in a larger sense. There's nothing fearful about that, but there is something fearful about the connection of um, goat with the devil. Mm. Mm, yeah. And so I have a whole section there of talking about Pan, kind of the original goat god, you know, which was part human, part goat right and you know pan was this wild guy that loved to dance and drink and fornicate and just have a great time right out in the forest and the rural people loved him because pan was a lot of fun right Mm -hmm. and there were so many different versions of pan that they used to call them the pans or at least more modern historians look look back and they call it the pans um you know and connections with the um i can't think of the name now right in uh uh the satyrs and the oh, yeah, yeah. another one, you know, so we have, we have a lot of different versions of that, but um, the church didn't like this one little bit, you know, if you want morality and you want order, you know, the last guy you want around is Pan, right? Right. So in a series of um, artistic and, and mythological story, legend shape, you know, shape-shifting things, um, the devil started to have uh, goat horns, huh? and have cloven uh, feet or hooves and different aspects of Pan, of the great pagan natural wild God, God put onto the devil. Mm-hmm. There's something like a scapegoat about that, isn't there too? There you know, is. you remember that saying from the from uh, uh, the 60s, you know, the devil made me do it. There was mm-hmm. a guy who did that online. Right, <laughs> I right, can't remember right. who it was, but you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and so we say, you know, it, the devil made me do that. It's a great way to scapegoat your responsibility for whatever you're doing mm-hmm. yourself, huh? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the goat appears in the devil card in Tarot. All three, and this is the one I think that's the most common. So uh, yeah. you've got the goat in yours. Although yours doesn't look like a a fearful goat at all. It looks like a very friendly, smiling goat. Well, yeah, I call it the shadow god of liberation. And one side of its neck, it has a chain, which is a nod to how our shadow can keep us chained to ourselves or our our dark desires. huh? And the other side is flowers. And I was kind of thinking of the of the Hindu version of gods who, you know, they die and you open up their coffin, there's just flowers there. So the blossoming. So it's our choice. Are we going to follow our shadow or are we going to be a slave to it? Or are we going to, you know, open to it? Right. 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 So, yeah. 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 I never really see the devil card as, as negative as some people read it. Um, In the Rider Waite Smith deck, of course, you've got, that really sort of satanic figure and the adam and eve but there's an animal aspect to 
them as well because I think yeah. they both have tails. They have tails that end in, yeah. I think one ends in little uh, like grape cluster, kind of a yeah. nod to the original pan or Dionysus or Bacchus right. and then the other in flames. But you even look at that one, I'm pretty sure I talked about this in the book, is there, um, I think their chains are pretty open. Is it that one? Yeah, yeah, one? yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like, you could take off those chains if you want. Maybe there's a part of you that likes being chained to the devil right, again. Right, so right. then you can blame that scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that in uh, Crowley's Thoth deck that has the goat, um, but his goat seems to be more about the sexual aspect um, uh, of the goat. Um, in the El Goliath deck, that's the only card I don't like um, because their goat, the mouth is like covered with blood. Um, uh, but, but the rest of the deck, amazingly beautiful. I don't like that um the wild unknown and there's another animal deck by a um denver artist uh called the brady tarot hmm. and her devil's also a goat <laughs> um so it's like yeah I, I at this point i'm wondering if there's any kind of tarot deck that doesn't have goat for the devil it was the first i thought of when i was doing my deck like you know yeah. it just had to be goat because it's yeah. so uh represented in so many different decks and old decks yeah yeah well it just seems so i i mean it is archetypal i think it is yeah right there um have you ever seen the speaking of horror movies and whatnot uh have you ever seen the movie the witch well i'm not sure because okay. i mean that sounds like a lot of different movies i've yeah. seen well, it's set in the uh, the American colonies. Um, okay. It's a Puritan family okay. that gets um, banished from the community uh, in large part because the father is being critical of the community that they're not really- I do remember this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, so like one of the, there's a baby that goes missing and yeah. the family ends up kind of you're not quite sure if they're spiraling into madness or if there is some kind of darker forces, but one of the key characters is a goat uh, that they oh. refer to as Black Phillip. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I might and have to rewatch that. Yeah. 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 And it's not a gory one. I, I'm with you. I do not like gore anymore. When I was a young yeah. teenager, I was all about the gore, uh, but yeah, no, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I find that interesting is as we get older, we just lose our taste for <laughs> or most of us, well, do, I think. But maybe we develop, I mean, maybe we evolve and we're, we're wanting a little something with a little bit more meaning, huh? Yeah, yeah, that could be, that could yeah. be. I wanted to ask, uh, this will be the last animal and then we'll kind of start wrapping up here. Um, but you talk about birds um, mm -hmm. and of course there's the Hitchcock movie, um, The Birds. Yeah. Um, you know, and now I, you know, also my mind is a cultural compost heap. Um, I was thinking of, you know, Schitt's Creek and the Cropocalypse. <laughs> um, but how are birds? Because I never, I mean, yeah, there's that Hitchcock film. But other than that, how exactly are birds shadow animals? Well, I mean, we can look at certain birds, raven. Okay. definitely right. has a shadowy aspect to it maybe vulture perhaps mm -hmm. has a shadowy aspect you know there are some birds that um that do have shadowy aspects in the larger collective but there's a lot of people who have phobias against birds sometimes mm -hmm. it's very specific pigeons 
is a popular hmm. one, you know, and they're just freaked out by it. They can't go to New York City because they can't deal with it, right? So, yeah, what does that speak to in, in us? You know, and again, you have to ask yourself, what aspect of birds is it that's so bothersome to you? Is it the flapping? You know, in, in the birds, mm-hmm. in Hitchcock's thing, it was, it was kind of about an invasion, huh? Right. And, and, and it starts out with lovebirds, but it becomes something very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think birds generally, uh, I think birds generally as messengers, you know, so we have yeah. more of a, in a spiritual aspect, kind of the messengers from the divine, right? They're coming from the heavens and connecting us, connecting the earth with the heaven. Um, but in general, I think there are, there are some birds that do have, um, that do hold more shadow qualities for certain mm. people. Yeah. Again, Raven, for me, Raven is more of a trickster, right. but there are right. people who are frightened of blackbirds in general. Yeah. It's hmm. interesting. Yeah, and I was thinking of places that were associated with ravens. Um, so I could think of two in particular. Uh, one was the Tower of London, yeah, um, where they have, uh, I forget, there's a specific number of ravens there. Yeah, there is a specific. I want to say it's in the teens, but I don't recall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they have someone who is like the raven, raven keeper ma- yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, which would be an awesome job it would um, that would be a good job <laughs> wouldn't it <laughs> yeah. um, and over the summer i was at um chaco canyon uh and oh. there are ravens there um in fact i got a hat that has a raven on it well we have ravens here a lot of ravens in alaska yeah, yeah. so there and i i love watching ravens in fact you go to the grocery store a lot of times there's ravens you know hopping around Wow. just picking up crumbs and things and yeah. yeah and they're beautiful you know they love the thermals there's a very playful aspect i find of raven where mm. they just love to go in the really cold days and they'll ride the thermals and just you know choo, mm. choo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah no i like them i like crows too and i'm never quite sure how to distinguish between raven and crow um but i see them as messengers too the place i hike um Again, I'm not sure. They're really large, so I'm guessing that they're probably ravens. Yeah. Um, but I know that they would warn me um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. sometimes there's like rattlesnake around. Yeah. And they would always let me know, be cautious. Um, there's snake here. I've heard a lot of stories about raven as as specifically warning people oh. and you know um, giving a good caw. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. go there. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And, you know, I heard, I I probably should not keep saying this, but when I was at Chaco Canyon um, at night, uh, I camped there and I heard voices. Um, I heard a woman's voice call my name. And then later I heard a man's voice and the man was just like, Hey, Nick. And I was wide awake. And one of the things I thought was, is this Raven? Is Raven mm. talking to me? Mm. Um, Did you talk back? What do you, what do you, I, I asked, I, well, the first time it was uh, a woman's voice, uh, you know, Chaco Canyon is, uh, they don't have any light pollution. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a place where you can go and see the stars. Right. Nice. Yeah. And there had been a storm kind of running, coming in and I thought, Oh, I'm not going to be able to see the stars. And that's why I wanted to go. Um, And so I went inside the tent and I was waiting. I was kind of waiting to see if the storm would pass by. And eventually it did. And there was a flap in the tent and I could see some stars. 
And so I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to go out and see, you know, you know, maybe it's all mostly cloudy or something. Um, but I sat up and I grabbed my shoes and that's when I first heard uh, it was a woman's voice and it was just, Nick. and I paused and I'm like, um, yes, hello. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but nothing else. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, so I went out and I could see this, the stars. Uh, and I was out there for about an hour or so. Um, and I thought, okay, I should probably try to get some sleep. And so I went in, fell asleep, and I woke up probably a couple hours before sunrise and had to use the restroom. And it was really dark. And I was just like, oh, okay, do I want to get up there can i wait uh, i decided no i need to go so i'm kind of searching for my flashlight and that's when i hear the man's voice and I'm hmm. like, hey nick <laughs> i have no idea hmm. uh, what it was um but one of the thoughts was well maybe it's maybe it's raven maybe raven's talking hmm. to me hmm. uh, but i don't think they were very active at night hmm. yeah. well that's a good halloween story <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Or maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, but with birds, I, I think that there's an interesting aspect that they're traditionally birds have also been connected with soul, I think. Yeah, yeah. With soul and with the connection of um, there was a woman just I just talked to who was telling me about when, she, when her father died, um, a bird came to her. We often yeah. have, you know, owls. Mm -hmm. There's often this connection of um uh, you know spirits who have passed on and then we also right. have it from stork huh bringing right. in new spirits so we have right. it kind of both ways with the birds yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah but again that speaks to that larger symbology of um you know kind of spanning heaven and earth and right. that's their domain is the sky the air the spirit yeah. huh yeah 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 and i think that there's a also an ecological reading with the birds because i was thinking of rachel carson's silent spring Mm -hmm. where she's imagining imagining a land that's so devastated that their birds don't return in the spring mm -hmm. yeah know, it's a silent spring yeah, um, yeah and so that's a kind of negative messenger perhaps mm -hmm. um, well or a warning messenger yeah. You know? yeah it's it's warning like are you going to do something can you can shift this right yeah yeah for sure and, you know and think about the uh, canary in the coal mine huh yeah yeah that's another really good example too yeah yeah that yeah yeah that fits for what carson was saying um yeah i i have a special relationship we have these um i guess they're called na they're naturalized uh someone in pasadena back in the 40s and 50s had a their own personal little zoo and it caught fire and oh. they had all these parrots and the oh. parrots escaped and oh. so now they're naturalized Okay. And they are, they travel in these flocks and wow. it's interesting because there's a tree in front of the house that I rent that they will, I don't know what it is, but there's something in there that they eat huh. and uh, it's twice a year. So you can actually observe huh. them and you can observe their patterns Their cycles. Yeah. and they normally show up around winter solstice. Um, that's mm. when um, they'll be um, in front of the house. And I love them, but I know others, they're like, no, they're just like way bratty because they, the, the sound that they have, uh, you know, and for it's sharp, it, it, isn't it? 
Yeah. yeah it's like jurassic is how i always yeah. describe it because they are like little dinosaurs yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know um but i love i call them grandpa parrot um, uh, yeah i love the parrots are they um, the bright ones they're the colorful ones yeah well they're green um, green oh yeah yeah That's... mostly green yeah uh, yeah cool. yeah 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 i was looking all over for I, I finally found one i found a feather i wanted one of the uh, parrot feathers i know that we're uh, at the end here so let me ask you um kind of about the end to go back to the humans um, mm -hmm. because as I was reading this I'm like is she gonna say anything about humans as being the shadow animal you know because I think that humans are like the most dangerous of the animals yeah um, and you as we already noted you begin the book with that it's not about shadow shadow animals but it's rather about humans mm-hmm we both are in agreement that this sort of shadow work is the most important work. Mm -hmm. Do you see, you know, I don't remember if I asked you this the last time, um, but I, I want to ask you this time because it seems to me that we are in such a precarious situation and I see shadow everywhere. That's so, not being yeah. worked on. Yeah. <clears throat> but do you see, do you have hope? Do you, do you have hope that we'll be able to address all of this in a way that we can actually save ourselves? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm always the optimist and I do know of a lot of people who are working on their shadow. Yeah. yeah. Um, collectively, I don't know if that's so, but I yeah. think we're at this tipping point here where if shadow isn't dealt with you know, those individuals or those groups are just going to yeah. sink, yeah. you know, so we were looking at possibly a new earth, a new reality, a new, right. you know, thing where, um, yeah, I think I, I, I agree with you on, I think it's the most important thing and when with you to, to deal with the shadow and to work mm -hmm. with it and you feel so much better. You know, when I yeah. talk with people who've dealt with their, or are dealing with their shadow or, you know, welcoming it, like, oh, I don't like that person. Why is that? You know, and then they start to work with it and process it. It becomes quicker. It becomes easier. We become lighter. We become more light filled. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we really become more um, open to spiritual wisdom, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I do. Th I, I think, I think it's going to change. And I think if you're going to, you know, kick and fight against it, you're going to have a rocky road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really rocky road. Yeah. 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 Well, and we do have a rocky road. And I think that I saw this in 2020 as you were writing the book, you know, that especially in the United States, we became so divided. And there were reasons behind that. But I, what I always tried to do is, especially with our, sort of cultural or national shadow figure that we had um uh you know in terms of trump i i never would say i hated trump instead i would always try to turn it back onto me and say okay i don't like his arrogance in what ways am i arrogant and and i think we need to do that with each other and the figures and i think that's probably the only way we can get rid of this partisanship that yeah. kind of eating yeah. us alive yeah yeah because it's easier to other you know it's easier to project yeah. problems are the democrats problems are republicans yeah. you know yeah. and and trump was also one of my um key shadow 
animals, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. And and I and I kept avoiding my own good advice to engage, find out what that's about, you know. And I my my ending chapter has a dream, a really significant dream for yes. me about about Trump, and yeah. and it was funny in a way, and it was redeeming, and it was um it 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 helped me out of that where I mm. I it's it's not that I you know all of a sudden want to be his best friend, no thanks, right, right. Yeah. but. I'm not triggered by him anymore. Right, you know, I right. can still think that, yeah, he's an arrogant man. He has some issues, you know, but I'm not angry. I'm not hateful. I'm not. And that's really, I think, an important thing to know about shadow. It doesn't mean we have to become best buddies with these people. It just means that we're no longer triggered right. and we have compassion perhaps for right. them, for what they're going through. They're another human being having, you know, going through their stuff just like we are. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, I think that's the great reward with shadow work is compassion. Yeah, I agree. Compassion for yourself as well mm -hmm. as others. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I thoroughly enjoyed the book and um, I highly recommend that people get a copy of it. Um, and I, I love the exercises in the book too. Oh, I think good. They're I really unique that. and fresh. Um, oh. I think they give people something concrete to work with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad you say that because they, I felt they were very important too. Like, okay, we have this chapter, we got this information. Now, what do we do? We need to process, you know, right, we need to integrate. Yeah. So here's 13 different ways, you know, there's 13 different chapters of ways that right. you can work with your shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. read other shadow work books um, and they have activities too, but I just found something, I don't know, um, more inviting. I think, uh, oh, with great. these. Um, so, um, I, I think people will get quite a bit out of them. I really do. Well, thanks much. Of yeah. course. So, um, next question, next to the last question, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Yeah. What's next oh, for you? I'm working on a novel. Are you? Oh. And I'm so enjoying it. I've always written nonfiction. I, right. I mean, I've written some short stories and things that have been published, but but a novel is a different thing. It's a yeah. different animal. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really enjoying it. So oh, yeah. good. Good. I will time. look forward to that. I will look Thank forward you. to that. And uh is the uh animalvoices.net the best place to find out uh, still the best place to find out about that is work? yeah there's links to if you want to buy the book there's links to uh the different books there's many chapter excerpts and chapter okay. summaries and sometimes full chapters if you want to read a little bit i always feel like i want to read a little bit about a book before i yeah. purchase it huh? right right right, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's plenty of yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah well good well don thank you again uh for your time thank you for coming back uh again it was a joy to speak with you just as it was the last time i uh, really appreciated it yeah very happy to you're really fun to talk with so thank you all right well, and that's a wrap on episode 60 of rebel spirit radio Thank you so much for listening or watching if you are a part of my YouTube audience or watch this on Spotify. I'd like to remind everyone about the first Rebel Spirit Radio live stream scheduled for Sunday, December 4th, 2022. Dr. Sharon Kogan will be returning to talk more about dreams and will interpret dreams for folks who join the live stream. Be sure to follow Rebel Spirit Radio on Facebook and or sign up for the newsletter at rebelspiritradio.com so you can be informed of the live stream with Sharon as well as all future live events. I'll also be launching a Patreon in December. Until then, you can still make a one-time donation via PayPal if you'd like to support my work here on Rebel Spirit Radio. And hey, you can still be the first person to do so. 
uh, you will get a special call out if you are okay with that, and you will have my undying gratitude. You can find the PayPal link in the show notes or video description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to give it a positive rating on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. It only takes a second, and your five-star ratings really do help, especially if you listen on Apple. If you have a moment to spare, please consider posting a short but positive review. And please subscribe. For those viewing on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit that notification bell so you will be informed whenever I upload new content. Also, if you think a friend or family member or coworker would like this podcast, please share it with them. Right now, that is one of the best ways to help me with the podcast. I really do want to grow my audience. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit.